Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. All right, as Jeff said, my name is Joshua Rushing, one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to for us to dig into the Word together. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, and as you're turning there, I heard a, a story this week about a, uh, a family who, who the husband had invited three or four other families over for dinner one night, and as they all gathered around the table getting ready to eat, the wife of the house, she looked at her six-year-old daughter and said, would you like to say the blessing for the food? And the little six-year-old said, I, I don't know if I really know what to say. And the mom said, well, just say what you've heard your mom say. So the little girl bowed her head and folded her hands and said, oh, dear Lord, why did we have to invite all of these people over for dinner? <laughs> I just thought that was kind of cute. But in some ways, is that not really what prayer is? Repeating the words that our parent has spoken, that our father has spoken, right? I mean, prayer is as simple as hearing what our father's saying, hearing what our father's doing, and just repeating his words back to him. So this morning, we're going to look a little bit uh, in the Word about prayer and worship. One of the things that uh, we value here at Calvary is, is worship and prayer, but not just each of those things individually, but actually marrying those two things together and combining the, the musical worship and the prayers from our hearts. So we're going to look at why we value that and what the Word says about that. So if you guys are in Revelation chapter 5, I'm going to start reading, and I want to read that whole daggum chapter. How much time do we have? we got a couple of hours, so yeah, we might, uh, let's start reading in verse 8, Revelation 5, verse 8. Now when he, this is Jesus, now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp, everybody say harp, and golden bowls, say golden bowls. And these golden bowls were full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. I didn't include the rest of it on the screen, but I'm going to keep reading here. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made us a kingdom of priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth forever. So worship and prayer. You see, around the throne of God, we see the elders and the creatures having harps, which is a musical instrument made to make music, and they have golden bowls. And, and we, we see what these golden bowls are. They are bowls that are filled with incense, and the incense are the prayers of the saints. So around the throne of God, we have worship and music, and we have prayer surrounding his throne forever. 
In fact, so far as we know, there's only 30 minutes in all of history where there's not going to be any sound of worship and prayer in the scriptures. So, so God loves it, right? God created his throne room according to his desires, right? There was no one coming to God and saying, okay, I think we need some drapes over here. I think we need some color over here. We need a little pop of things. No, no one gave God any plans for his throne room. He says, I am going to design my room how I want to design my room. And he surrounded himself with worship and prayer. These things move God's heart. When weak and broken people like me and you lift up our voice in song, lift up our heart in prayer, it moves him. He desires it and he loves it. So what are, what are worship and prayer anyway? I mean, if we, just, if we need to kind of narrow these down to the lowest common denominator, worship is simply our, the expression of our agreement with who God is. When we give expression to our agreement with who God is, that's called worship. God is worthy. We say, yes, we agree. You are worthy. That's worship. When we say, he is holy. God, you're beautiful. I'm coming into agreement with his character, with his nature, and who he is. Worship is the expression of our agreement with all that God is. And prayer, and specifically intercession, that we're going to talk about today, intercessory prayer is simply the expression of our agreement and partnership with what God desires to do and what he has promised to do. So worship is our agreement with who God is. Prayer and intercession is our agreement with what God has promised to do. So you'll notice something about worship and intercession. They're both about agreement. They're both about agreement. And another word we can use there is unity. Worship and prayer, worship and intercession are about unity. You see, when we gather together corporately for corporate prayer and praise, we're actually declaring to God, to each other, and to the world around us that we are in agreement with God's character, his nature, and his plans, and his perfect leadership. In fact, when we gather together here on mornings like this or on Monday nights or on Thursday mornings in our prayer room, you know, we're actually not gathering together to pray. Did you guys know that? We're not get, we don't come here to pray. We don't come here to worship. We actually come here to pray and worship together. Right? Because sh- we, we hope that our lives, that we're praying, the Bible says pray without ceasing, that our lives are a love song. As we sang this morning, our lives are a song of praise, that we're praying at home, praying with our families, praying in the car, praying in our prayer closet, worshiping the Lord. We're doing those things individually. We don't come here to pray or to worship. We come here to pray and worship together in unity. And this prayer room, this little room right here that we're in, this prayer room, our, our prayer room schedule here, it's the primary place that we gather together to give expression to worship and prayer. Again, it's not the only place, but it's the primary place that we come corporately to pray and worship together. And there are three things that we value as it relates to worship and prayer, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. Again, there are many ways that we can express prayer, we can express worship, and we here at Calvary, we value all kinds of expressions of worship and prayer. So when, I, when we talk about these three things today, we're not saying this is the only way to do it. We're not saying that, you know, the Bible mandates you have to do it like this. These are just three things that we value here at Calvary as it relates to worship and prayer. And these three expressions 
are this. Number one, we value mixing music with scriptural prayer. We value mixing music with scriptural prayer. Another value is mixing music with spiritual proclamations. Mixing music with spiritual proclamations. And the third one is mixing music with sacred passages. So let's look at each one of these three things together this morning. Again, as I said earlier, prayer is simply as easy as repeating God's words back to him. God speaks to us, and it moves our hearts. Then we speak those same words back to God, and it moves his heart. How simple is that? You know, sometimes in prayer, I don't know if, I don't know if maybe I'm the only one here. Sometimes you've heard certain people pray, and you're like, man, I can't pray like that. Like when they pray, they are bringing it, man. They just bring the house down. They're using words I've never heard. They're screaming and snotting and crying everywhere. That person can pray, man. That prayer is hard because I, I can't do that. Any, am I the only one who ever thought that? You heard somebody pray and you're just like, woo, never mind. I can't do that. But we don't have to compare ourselves to someone else because prayer is not about a personality type. Prayer is not about how loud you speak. Prayer is not about how big words you use. Prayer is simply repeating the words of your Father back to Him. Anybody can do that. It's not hard. I mean, even babies do that, right? I mean, I can remember, I've told this story a number of times. My, uh, my oldest sermon illustration back there, Eliana, she uh, just turned uh, 16 this past week. By the way, thank you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. 16 years old. So speaking of prayer, uh, she's going to be driving soon. So um, I would appreciate it if you guys would cover us. But I can remember when she was, uh, when she was little, just kind of learning how to talk and learning new words. Um, she actually could talk very well and articulated very well at a very young age. Uh, we didn't do a lot of baby talk with her. We just kind of spoke directly. And so she picked up on that. She could talk to an adult as a wee little tot pretty, pretty clearly. But there was one word she had trouble with, and it was the word pizza. Yeah, pizza. It's not really that hard of a word. She could say words a lot harder than that, but she couldn't say pizza. She called it doodah. So I remember time and time again thinking, man, that, that's not even right. That's not even close to being right. So I would, I would get her and say, hey, maybe she's just having trouble saying her peas. Maybe there's just a speech impediment or something. She can't say pizza. Maybe it's a peas. So I would look at her and say, hey, um, Eliana, can you say papa? And she'd say, papa. I'd say, okay, okay. She knows about peas, okay. Um, can you say papa? She'd say papa. I'm like, all right. Can you say pizza? Duda. Eliana, I don't think you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth. Pizza. Duda. I mean, she was convinced that she had it right. I think she might have been interpreting. It might have been like a tongues thing or something. She may have been hearing pizza, thinking she was saying it correctly, but she couldn't say it. So we worked time and time again. Pizza, pizza. Until she finally got to the point where she could say pizza. Now, was it some great revelation that she had? No, it was simply just looking into her father's face and repeating the words that came out of his mouth until she got it. That's prayer. That's prayer. 
In fact, the psalmist tells us that the Lord is the lifter, our glory and the lifter of our heads. Why is he, why does it matter that he lifts our heads? Number one, this isn't in your notes. This is a freebie. Just because this passage is stirring in my heart right now, so I was going to try to find a way to work it in no matter what. So, But as our Father is the glory and the lifter of our head, as our head so often is looking down at our circumstances, looking down in our shame, he reaches down with his tender hand as if he puts it under our chin and he lifts up our head gently and kindly so that we can connect eyes with him, so that we can see the look on our Father's face. And when we see the look on our Father's face, we see the words that are forming, that are coming out of his mouth. And I'm not talking literally. I'm talking about the eyes of our hearts as we, we, we look upon the face of our Father and we see what it is that he's saying to us. And we can just begin to repeat those words back to him. I just heard the Holy Spirit say, stay on task, because I was about to go off on a different tangent. But I think we need to stay here. So prayer is as simple as repeating the words of our Father back to him. And he loves this, guys. Just the same way as I loved seeing my daughter try to form those little words as she's speaking to her daddy. It moved me. Even when she got it wrong, it was cute. I, I still loved it. Even when she wasn't saying the right things, I still loved it. Is that not how our Heavenly Father is with us? So when you pray, don't think about, oh, I have to make sure I'm theologically correct on all my statements. Just talk to him. Just try to repeat what he's saying. You may not say it all right, but it moves his heart nonetheless. But God, only, God not only loves the sound of our voice in the place of prayer, he actually loves the sound of our voice when we sing and worship. Now, a handful of you said amen. A handful of you said, well, you ain't never heard me sing. There's no way he can enjoy that. Well, guys, I don't know how it works, and I don't know why. But your song, your singing, the melody that comes from your lungs and out of your mouth moves the heart of God in a way that very few things can. It moves him. Now, I don't know, maybe the Holy Spirit is up there just, you know, auto-tune and tweaking and adding some reverb on it. And then by the time it reaches the throne, it sounds amazing. I don't know how it works. All I know is that, again, when weak and broken people lift up their song to the Lord, he's moved by it. So we know that prayer is powerful. We know that music is powerful. But, beloved, when we mix the biblical prayers with the heartfelt worship of the saints, when we mix those two things together God's heart is so moved. And again, going back to our passage, Revelation 5, 8, and 9. He surrounded his whole throne with worship and prayer. And sometimes we kind of get into these little, these little things where, you know, I've heard it in the church many times. Well, I'm, I, I love the prayer stuff, ma'am. I'm not really into all that worship stuff. Or, hey, I'm really into the music. I like jamming music and worship, but, you know, the prayer is kind of boring. I don't we don't really get to pick and choose. If we're into one and not the other, heaven's going to be a little bit surprising for us because heaven's going to be worship and music surrounding the throne of God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You know, one of the things that music does is it helps sustain us 
in the place of prayer. Did you know that singing and music activate more sections of your brain than any other activity humans can do? Music, if you were to take a little shot of someone's brain, I don't know all the medical terms, but if you were just to take a little video of the, the firings and all the electrodes and things in the, in the human brain, music and singing activate more sections of the brain than any other human activity. But another thing that music does is music touches the emotions and the heart more so than just spoken words. So music sticks in our head and music stirs our hearts. In fact, many of you this afternoon will probably go home and may, you may not remember a single word I've said, but I bet you, you might be going, I exalt thee. We, the, the songs that we sung this morning, they stick in your head. You walk on waves. You've been doing dishes. You run with clouds. Man, those songs, they just get in you. Why? Because music is activating the brain and it gets in the heart and it makes you feel something. And sometimes in church, we're, we're afraid of the feeling thing. We don't want, well, it's not about feeling. It's just about the word. If this word doesn't move you, can I suggest maybe you're approaching things wrong? Or at least maybe not in a way that would be the most helpful? When I surrendered my all to the Lord, that included my emotions. I didn't just surrender some things to the Lord and let my emotions, well, they don't count. Feelings matter. They really do matter. We feel because God feels. We have emotions because God has emotions. And music, so it's not wrong for us to say, I need my emotions stirred up a little bit. That's not unbiblical. In fact, it's very helpful. The Bible says it's actually very helpful. How many times do we see, especially in the Psalms, that David says things like, sing to the Lord a new song. Those are commands. Those are imperative sentences. Why would God command us to sing? Number one, he loves it. Number two, it's good for us. So music helps sustain us in the place of prayer by awakening our hearts to beauty and stirring up our affections. Music's help, music helps lead the true self into an experience with the true God. And singing prayers is one of the ways that helps us enjoy prayer more. In fact, I think it's interesting that as we, you, we were reading Revelation 5, 8, and 9 with the creatures and the elders around the throne singing and praying, right? I think it's interesting that the one who is in the midst of that throne, the Lamb of God, is the one when he taught his disciples how to pray, he said, here's what you want to do when you pray. Pray that what's going on up there goes on down here. He says, on earth as it is in heaven... Well, who knows what's going on in heaven more than the one who's in the center of it all? The Lamb of God who's in the center of the throne in Revelation 5, who is surrounded by worship and prayer, when he becomes a man and stands on the earth and begins to teach his people to pray, he says, you want to pray that what's going on up there goes on down here. On earth as it is in heaven, worship and prayer, unending, never ceasing, but why music? Well, again, music awakens our heart to beauty. It stirs our emotions and it breaks down walls. Martin Luther, the great theologian, once wrote this concerning music. He said, quote, The riches of music are so excellent and so precious 
that words fail me whenever I attempt to discuss and describe them. Next to the word of God, this is Martin Luther, next to the word of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. It controls our thoughts, our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. The Jewish philosopher Abraham Joshua Heschel says it this way. He says, the primary purpose of prayer is not to make requests. The primary purpose is to praise and to sing. Because the essence of prayer is a song, and man cannot live without a song. Another one of my favorite authors, Ray Hughes, says this about music. He says, music resonates and illuminates the mind. It lights shadowy places so that the thoughts and the meditations of our hearts are welcomed to come out of hiding. Let me read that again. Music resonates and illuminates the mind. It lights shadowy places so that the thoughts and the meditations of our heart are welcomed to come out of hiding. So we value mixing music with scriptural prayers, finding the burden of our heart in the scripture, praying those things mixed in with music and song. Another value we have is mixing music with spiritual proclamations. Mixing music with spiritual proclamations. Another way to say uh, spiritual proclamations is to say uh, a prophetic song or prophetic utterance. Mixing music with spiritual proclamations is prophetic singing. Prophetic singing is when the gift of prophecy is expressed through the sound and the song and music. Prophetic singing gives expression to the unction of the Holy Spirit, revealing what's on God's heart. As one writer says, prophetic singing is what happens when we let Christ in you, the hope of glory, get into our music. So we value mixing music with the prophetic. We are a prophetic people. This is a house that values the the word of the Lord and, and prophecy. And we value mixing music with the prophetic. Again, corporate prophetic worship and prayer is about a unified congregation responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit as he reveals the truth of God's heart and nature to us. Revelation 19.10 says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And we know from 1 Corinthians 14.3, says, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. In other words, prophetic singing is the melodious testimony of Jesus that encourages and edifies and comforts the body of Christ. Prophetic singing and prophetic song can also declare in the now that which has not yet happened. Or another way to say that, it, it picks up on the breakthrough before it breaks through. In fact, if you have your Bibles there, turn to Numbers 21. Numbers 21, 16, and 17 give us a, a, a beautiful example of this. Numbers 21 Verses 16 and 17. Numbers 21, 16 and 17. Starting in verse 16, it says, From there they went to Be'er, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, Gather the people together, and I will give them 
water. Okay, so let's stop right there for a second. So God said to Moses at this, at this well, and, and it is a well at Bay Air. It's not beer, so it's not a big old, big old well full of beer, Jeff. It's, he gathers them together at the well, and God says, and listen to this, God says, gather the people there, and I will give them water. Is there any doubt of what God intends to do there? Is there any doubt in your mind? God says, take them there, go to the well, and I will give them water. So what do they do when they get there? They get there and they stand there and do nothing and just say, well, God said it. I'm just going to sit here and just chill out and do nothing until he performs his word. Is that what they did? I don't think so. Let's look at the next verse, verse 17. Then Israel sang this song, spring up, O well. Okay, wait a minute. Why did they have to do that? I thought God already promised to do it. God already promised to give them water from the well. But when they got there, they began to sing to the well. They began to come into agreement with God, what God has promised to do and say, God promised us water from this well. Therefore, spring up a well. They were activating their song. They were coming into agreement with what God has promised to do. Sometimes we just want to sit and let God do what he said he was going to do. Sometimes God's waiting on us to release our agreement in song and watch him work. That is a good word, isn't it? That'll preach. I'll preach your message on that sometime. But prophetic singing, again, it's coming into agreement. It's declaring what God has promised to do and holding on to that thing in that place of intercession. There's another beautiful example in Second Chronicles 20. Flip over there quickly. Second Chronicles 20. Second Chronicles 20. Verse 21, this is the, the story of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat is the, the leader of the people, and they are surrounded by multiple nations. There there's, seems to be no way out of this conflict. He's outnumbered, he's outmanned, there's the, the enemy is surrounding him on every side, and he goes before the Lord and says, Lord, I can't do this, I'm stuck, I'm done, I'm surrounded, I'm outnumbered, what do I do? And God says, here's what you do, Jehoshaphat. I want you to go take your little artsy musicians, put them out in front of the highly trained warriors, and tell them to sing love songs. Jehoshaphat said, is there anyone else up there that can help me? Because that's not a good plan, God. God says, go get your little artsy musicians with their little instruments, Put them out in front of the highly trained warriors and tell them to sing love songs, Jehoshaphat. So Jehoshaphat says, well, I ain't got nothing else to lose. I'm going to be dead by tomorrow anyway. I'm surrounded by the enemy. They're going to get me, so might as well give it a shot, God. So here's what happens, verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army, saying, Praise the Lord, for his tender mercies endure forever. 
And now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord sent an ambush. The Lord sent an ambush. What was the song they were singing? They were singing about his tender mercies and his love. If I had been leading worship that particular day, I might have chosen some warfare songs. I might have chosen some songs about, yeah, God's going to get you. (laughs) He's going to stretch out his hand and punch you. He is strong and mighty. You are weak. I would have found some sort of warfare song to get my people singing. But you know what God said? God says, go tell them to sing love songs about my mercy. And watch what happens. They just came into agreement with who God is. God is a God of mercy. He's so good. Praise the Lord. And his his mercies, they endure forever. And God says, I can get in on that. And he goes and he sends the ambush against the enemy. Beloved, do we know what goes on in this room on Sunday mornings? We may come in here and we may say, well, I don't like this song he chose. His voice is flat. His guitar is out of tune. The sound is too loud. Oh, my gosh. But, beloved, when we sing, when we sing, when we open up our mouths and we let the air from our lungs flow across our vocal cords and we lift up that sound, however weak it is, things begin to shift in the heavenlies. Things begin to move. The Lord begins to move the angels and the pieces around. The Lord begins to ambush the enemy when his people sing love songs to him. You see, we don't have warfare worship and love song worship. It's all worship and it's all warfare. Even the love songs are releasing light in the darkness. Let's go back to Revelation 5. One more quick example. Revelation chapter 5. The same passage we started with. Remember, they're surrounding the throne, and they sang a new song. Verse 9. It says, they sang a new song. And the song was this. You, O Lord, are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Turn over to the very next chapter. Chapter 6. Verse 1, now I saw the lamb open one of the seals. Prophetic song. Notice what they sang. They just declared what he was worthy to do. They never asked him to do it. They never asked him to open the seals. They never commanded him to open the seals. They just proclaimed he's worthy to do it. And what was his response? He did the thing that they were singing that he was worthy to do. Do you see what prophetic song is? Prophetic song is not just declaring some future event. Oh, tomorrow you're going to stub your toe. It's going to hurt. It's not, it's not about just about foretelling the future. It's about proclaiming what he's worthy to do and then watching him do it. They just sang, he, worthy, O oh Lord, worthy are you to take the scroll. He goes, okay, watch this. He, and he takes the scroll and opens the seals. This is one of the reasons that we value mixing our sung worship with our prayers and with the prophetic. 
because we are, again, declaring what is on God's heart, and then we watch him move. There's so many more examples that we don't have time for. But at the, at the dedication of Solomon's temple, the same thing happened. The, the, it says when the, the singers and the intercessors and the musicians were in unity, they began to sing the same song in Jehoshaphat. They began to sing, praise the Lord, his mercies endure forever. And then all of a sudden, the place filled with the glory of the Lord. He was attracted to the affections of the songs of the saints, and he began to move in power. So we value mixing music with prayer. We also value mixing music with spiritual proclamations or the prophetic. The third thing that we value is mixing music with sacred passages. Again, I mentioned earlier that music activates more parts of our brain than any other activity. We also know that scientifically and physiologically, singing boosts our immune system. These are, these are just facts. These aren't just Joshua, the worship leader, spouting off stuff. These are, you can look this up in your science books, although most science books won't talk about this. But if you do do the research, you will find that music and song... They boost our immune system. They stimulate our circulation. They release endorphins, becoming a sort of natural antidepressant. They lower stress. Mute, this is singing and music. Lower stress. And they also boost memory. These are, these are things that God, who created our bodies in wisdom and perfect design, created also music to help our bodies. He's so wise. So we value mixing music with Scripture. And one of the things this does is singing the Scripture brings our head and our heart together in, our, in a dynamic way. You can't really be around Calvary for too long without hearing the message that the, the Word of God is not just about this, right? We've got to find a way to get it from here, our heads, to our hearts. When we stand before the Lord one day, we're not going to have to pass a test. He's going to ask us about the affection of our heart. He's not going to make us take a test and grade the test to find out if we're in or out. And that doesn't mean that this isn't important. We're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our mind, right? But it can't just stay here. That's not the point. We've got to find a way to get it from our head to our heart. And music and song is one of, one of the ways, not the only way, but it's one of the ways that we bring our head and our heart together. Singing the word, it escorts truth from the place of collected facts to the place of experienced reality. We sing through the written word in order to encounter and experience the living word. Singing the word deepens our roots and it strengthens our inner man. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We say, okay, we like that part. Let the word dwell in me richly. It says, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing with grace. One of the ways that, we actually, that the Word actually dwells in our hearts richly is through corporate singing. We get it in us. And then when we need, 
Just like Jesus, when he was being tempted, the word of God came out of Jesus, right? When he was tempted, he spoke the word of God. The word was in him. What goes in will come out. What you put in you will come out. And one of the ways that we get the word in us is through song. There's so many pages of our Bible have psalms and songs written in them. They were written to be sung. And one of the reasons I believe that's true is because song is so connected with memory and it's easier to memorize verses. Man, I, can, I grew up in, a, in the Southern Baptist Church in rural Arkansas. And man, I, I love my Baptist upbringing because they were really big on singing the word. So many scriptures that I memorize, even to this day, I almost have to sing them in, in order to quote them. Because it's just, it's just stuck in my head that way. And it was all King James too. So I sing these songs with all the these and thous and thuses, you know. I don't, that's not even the Bible I'm reading from. But when I quote those scriptures, it sounds like those old little scripture songs. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He who loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, First John 4, 7, and 8, right? You just, you just remember those kind of things. That's stuck in my head. Be ye kind one to another. Anybody know that one? Tender heart and forgiving one another, for even as God, for Christ's sake, forgiven you. Do, do, doodly do. Ephesians 4.32. Oh, yeah. Like it just, you, you get the word in you, the song just stays with you. And I want the word in me. That's not the only way to memorize it, but if that's a tool I can use, if song is a tool I can use to get this thing in me, why would I not want to use it? Well, you're the worship pastor. You're a music guy. Of course you do. Now I'm telling you, you were created for song. God designed your body for music and for song. You don't believe me? Let me just give you this little bit. There are three types of instruments in the world. And all instruments fall into one of these three categories. Okay, all musical instruments. Well, I'm not talking about all the new computer stuff, which is cool, but computers are different. But actual music instruments that you play and do, you know, there's only three categories. You either have to blow into it, strike it, or pluck it. That's it. You have wind instruments, percussion instruments, and anybody know the next one? Strings. That's it. All musical instruments fall under these three categories. Wind, string, and percussion. Did you know that your body was created with all three of these in it? All three of these are built into you. You have a wind instrument built into your body. It's called your lungs. They, they take in air and they push out air. That's a wind instrument. You have to blow into it. You have to make air go through it, right, to make a sound. So our, God built our bodies with lungs to push air out of our bodies. Not only that, you, did you know you have stringed instruments built into your body? God put stringed instruments in your body. Have you ever seen the picture of vocal cords? It's like, like a fleshy harp. 
Just like these little things dangling down, like strings, these little fleshy strings hanging down. And when the air out of your, comes out of your lungs and it blows across these strings, those strings begin to vibrate and make sound. Did you know that you have percussion instruments built into your body? We have percussion. We can, we can hit it and make sound, right? So you say, well, I'm not really a music person. I beg to differ. You see, this sermon is not just for the musicians. This sermon is for all of us because God created us all for music. As the wind comes out of our lungs, it blows across our, vo our vocal cords. We clap and we stomp. We are making music. You are, I believe, this is Joshua, this is not Bible, this is Joshua. I believe we are never more fully human than when we're actually singing our song of praise to the Lord. We're fully actively engaging our whole body as it was created to be in giving praise and adoration to our maker. So we value singing through the Word of God. If we're going to be a people in whom the Word abides, we must be a people from whom worship arises. If we're going to be a people in whom the Word abides, we must be a people from whom worship arises. Jesus even strengthened himself with song. Jesus sang. Isn't that just kind of an interesting thing to think about? Jesus sang songs. At the Passover meal in Mark 14, we see Jesus singing the Psalms with his disciples. It says in Mark 14, 26, and when they had hymned, they sang these hymns, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Turn to the book of Hebrews quickly, and then we'll close. Hebrews chapter 1. Jesus is our example. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 2. Look at Hebrews, cha Hebrews chapter 2. I'm trying to figure out how much I want to read here. Um, let's just, let's back up to 10. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. For it was fitting for him, for whom all things, and by whom all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. So who is the he in those first two verses? Let's some Bible study here. Who is he? It's talking about Jesus. Okay, the man, Christ Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the human Jesus. That's who it's talking about. And it says, and Jesus is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying this. This is Jesus talking. I, Jesus, will declare your name. Who's he talking to? He's talking to his father, right? 
He says, I, Jesus, will declare your name, Father, to my brethren. Who, who, who are Jesus' brethren? This is where you lift up your hand and say, me. We are his brethren. Jesus is saying, Father, I'm going to lift up your name to my brethren. And in the midst of the assembly, the church, in the midst of the assembly, the body of Christ, I, Jesus, will sing praise to you, Father. Can you imagine what it's going to be like the day we stand there and Jesus is leading worship? <laughs> Jesus is saying, Father, I'm going to stand before my brethren in the assembly of the saints, and I'm going to declare and sing of your worth. This is Jesus. This is the Jesus that says, follow me. Follow me. This is what he, Jesus sings. If it's good enough for him, I think it might be good enough for us, right? If Jesus says, I love singing to my father. I love standing before the brethren. I love being around my brethren and singing praise to my father. So, there are three things that we value here at Calvary when it comes to worship and prayer, and that is mixing musical worship with prayer, mixing musical worship with the prophetic, and mixing musical worship with the passages, with the scripture. And we eagerly desire, as Paul says, this the, the, to prophesy, to, to come into agreement with who God is and what he's promised to do. And so one of the things that we do here at Calvary is then we want to make room for these. If we value something, you make room for it. If you value something, you make room for it. So we value singing and music and prayer and the prophetic and the word. And so then we want to make room for those things. Right now in this hour, the Lord is stirring up his body in a fresh way for worship and prayer. And we've, we've seen it throughout history. We've seen it even in our lifetime. But I believe there is a brand new stirring that the Lord is doing. You can just look at places like Asbury. You can look at places now all college campuses all across the U.S., all across the world. You have prayer ministries now that, are, uh, that, that the Lord is stirring in a fresh way. Beloved, the Lord is stirring up His church to pray, to fast, and to worship through song in, in ways that that I haven't seen in a, in a while. And we want to get in on that. I mean, in fact, we had a service just a few weeks ago where we just worship and prayed the, the whole time. The Lord is stirring things up in a fresh way. So let's, as a body, as a people, say, Lord, if you're doing it, we just say yes. We may not get it all. We may not understand it all. But this is what you're doing. Yes and amen. Let's get in on it together as a body, as a people. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.